Last week we started a series of messages. I believe we started back at Wyndham, back in Revival, on at his feet, at Jesus' feet. And the devil has fought me this week more than he has in about five years over trying to stand up and preach. I'm telling you, he is fighting tooth and nail. And I, I thought, Lord, what is this spiritual battle about? What, what These physical things that are going on right now in my life and spiritual things, what are happening? The Lord said, it's just because you're trying to get to my feet. And the devil don't want us there, church. So you know where I'm going to go this morning? We're going to go back to Jesus' feet, amen? Let's look this morning in the book of John, chapter number 11. I want to begin reading in the 30th verse of this chapter, John chapter 11, verse number 30. And from these verses, 30, 31, and 32, and probably more throughout the chapter, I want to preach on this thought today, God being our helper. Learning at the feet of Jesus. Last week we were listening at the feet of Jesus. Last week we were laying the battle at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And the enemy is, boy, he's upset. So today, what can we be learning from the feet of Jesus? Would you stand to your feet as we read these verses of Scripture? John chapter 11, verse number 30. Now Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Amen. Saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She's going to learn some things at Jesus' feet in this wonderful event in her life. It's a dark event. It's a, it's a terrible event. It's, it's a most dreaded event. I'm talking to somebody today. You've had the worst day. You've had the worst week. You've had the worst month. You've had in a long time. Lord's trying to teach you something if you'd learn it and listen to what he has to say. Father, would you help us this morning as we approach your throne? Lord, would you help us this morning, Father, as we sit at Jesus' feet, yea, as we fall at Jesus' feet that we might learn what you want us to learn about you and from you. Please help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In this text, we see Mary, the Bible says she is falling. She fell down at his feet. Mary needs Jesus. She, she needs Jesus Every moment. She needs Jesus every minute. She needs Jesus every hour. Y'all were singing, Lord, I need you. My mind went and grabbed the old song, I Need Thee Every Hour, written by Miss Annie Hawks. Listen to the words. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Amen. May I say today that we need Jesus too. We need him every day, every hour of the day. How could anyone live without him? How, whether, you're in joy, whether you have joy, you can't live without him. There is no joy without him. 
If you're joy in the world circumstances, I'm telling you, you need to appreciate what the Lord's doing. And if there's pain, how do you live through it without Jesus? We need his help. We need his strength. And we need his guidance. Amen? When I look at this chapter, three things and we'll be done quickly. Number one, there is the grief that we suffer. Why is Mary in the house weeping? What is going on her in her life that's got her so down in her walk with the Lord? Let's go back to the first verses, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. The city's name Bethany means house of misery. Have you ever lived there? It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The word sick means here he's growing weaker. He is deteriorating moment by moment, and he's not getting any better. The Bible says in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So when we see the grief that we suffer, note with me that we're seeing a dear family. These are going to start with the letter D. It is a dear family. It's a special family. Jesus loves them. The Bible says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that's Mary, and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. In fact, when they sent for Jesus, they said, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus loved to come to Bethany to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved those folks very, very dearly. It's a place where he could find love. It's a place where he could find understanding. It's also a disturbed family. Sickness has invaded their lives. Sickness has interrupted their joy. And now their little brother, I believe little brother, Lazarus is sick. So they send word to Jesus. May I give you some advice? When there's sickness, when there's trouble, send word to Jesus. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Please make this mental note. The fact that they were loved did not make them immune to trouble. Sometimes when trouble comes, when sickness hits, when sorrow comes, when grief overtakes you, you feel like the devil will say, that's because Jesus don't love you. But may I say that Jesus loving you does not make you immune to trouble. If you experience suffering, it does not mean that Jesus doesn't love you. I see then that they are a delayed family. Now, they've, they're disturbed, they're dear, but they're delayed. Look in verse 6. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, Jesus loved Lazarus, and when he hears from the sisters that Lazarus is sick, you would expect that Jesus would just pronto get over there and just take off immediately. But my Bible says that the Lord stayed where he was two more days. We would think the Lord would get the rushing. Lord, didn't you hear us? We need you 
right now. They're sitting by the bedside of Lazarus and he's getting sicker and sicker. And the situation is becoming more serious and more serious. Don't you think that those sisters wondered, where is Jesus? Why hasn't Jesus come? Where's he at? We need him now. Why is Jesus waiting? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18, Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious. He is waiting. Oh, preacher Darren, but I need him now. Listen, you, you need to know something. That it's not about your time. It's his timing. That's what's important. So they're a delayed family. May I go a little further and say they're a devastated family. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. You understand that glory is going to have the final word. Oftentimes we think death is the end. Death is the final word, honey. Death is just the porch that we walk across to go in the house. Amen. Amen. We're on our way to heaven. Amen. Thank God for it. Uh, I want you to know that, that Jesus is, is um, going to go on and say, look at verse 14. Let's skip down. Verse 14. Jesus, after he waited two days, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Y'all look at somebody else right now and get this. Tell them Lazarus is dead. He's dead. He's dead. And watch this. Look what Jesus said. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. Did you see that? Look at it. Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. I believe, don't you, that if Jesus had went to where Lazarus was sick, that Jesus would have healed him. And that would have been marvelous if Jesus had healed him. It would have been a mighty miracle if the Lord had raised him from whatever plague or whatever sickness was bothering him. But the Lord didn't go. The Lord waited two days before he ever even started and he said, I'm glad that I wasn't there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So we see number one, very plainly, do you see it? The grief we suffer. It's a dark time. It's devastation. It, there is death. Maybe right now you're having a dark time. Can I get a witness? Somebody in this church, you are struggling. And the devil's trying to tell you that people don't care and Jesus don't care. And if he cared, you wouldn't be going through this. Oh, yes, he cares. <laughs> and don't listen to the devil. The devil is a liar. So we see in this text the grief that we suffer. Number two, there is the groaning that we see. Now, the Bible says that Jesus started traveling that way. And, and, if, and if, I just want to point this out. In verse 18, the Bible says that Bethany, you can read it for yourself, Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem. It was about 15 furlongs away. So we know that Jesus got there four days late. He had, four days he had been dead. So preacher Darren, Bethany must have been two days journey. Listen to me. Bethany is two miles from Jerusalem. You're telling me it took Jesus two days to go two miles? Brother, I can walk two miles. I checked it. Two miles in 45 minutes. Not even trying to scan it fast. Two miles. Well, preacher Darren, why did it take him two days to go two miles? I don't know. Ask him. He's got a reason. He's got a purpose. He's waited two days already, and then it takes him two more days to go two miles. That's an incredible footnote that the Bible points out there. But nonetheless, when he gets there, verse 20, look at the groaning of the Christian. Martha, 
as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Can you hear her tone of voice? When the Lord finally gets there, may I point out four days late. She hears he's there. She goes out to meet him. Martha is the emotional one. She goes, Lord, if you'd have been here, in other words, where you been, my brother would not have died. But Lord, I know that even in the last day, you're going to raise everything, you can do all things, but I know you're going to do it in the last day. She doesn't believe God's going to do something about it right now. I'm talking to you. You don't believe God is capable of doing it right now. You think next year, four years from now, this is going to get better. Honey, he's the God of now. He said, I am that I am. He is the resurrection and the life. And so Martha comes out. She's a little confrontational. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he was dead, yes, shall he live. Believest thou this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you're going to do something out yonder somewhere. Look what happens here in verse number 28. When she had so said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Now, let's just get this. Here, here Jesus, he's turned his attention over to Mary. And he says, Where's your sister? And Martha goes back to the house and says, The Master's come and he calleth for you secretly. That, that means privately. Now, now watch this. I believe that today, y'all look at me real quick. I want to make sure that you get this. This is important. I believe that today, in this situation that you're having, the Lord has come to you. He's here right now. He's been with you this entire time through this chain of events that you're experiencing. He's come to you. He's calling for you. Will you receive the call of Christ? Or will you shun him and say, I'm not interested, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm bitter. God, where were you in the darkest time of my life? You did not hear me. I'm going to tell you something. He's heard you the entire time. And though he may be delaying getting there, it's not a denial. God's delays are not denials. Jesus comes to you and he's calling for you. Do you think Mary said, well, who does he think he is? Read the scripture. Be a Mary. The Bible says in verse 28, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews, which were with her in the house, they comforted her. Can you imagine when death has come and all the mourners and all your friends are around and, and, and they're getting their chicken or they're bringing her mashed potatoes, trying to get her to eat, and she don't want to eat because she's so devastated. And They're like, girl, you've got to eat something to keep your strength up. I mean, we, we don't need you to go down to. Can you just see the conversation and then Martha comes and says, the master's come and called for thee. And the Bible says that Mary rose up hastily. And she fought, they, the crowd began to follow her. And look what they said in verse 31. She goeth unto the grave to weep there. 
How many times have we seen someone go back to that grave to visit that grave, to weep and mourn there? She's going to the grave, they said. Honey, she's not going to the grave. She's going to the resurrection. She's not going back for more death. She's going to life. I'm asking you today, would you follow Jesus and head towards that which is alive, that which is good and blessed in your life? Don't keep sitting around re-experiencing and rehashing the death and the problem and the devastation. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was, she saw him. The Bible says she felt his feet. She said the same thing Martha said, but just with a different disposition. Where Martha came, I believe, and said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother wouldn't have died. A little confrontational. And still standing, her sister Mary humbles herself, not only bows and sits at his feet, but the Bible says she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother would not have died. You see that? There's a difference in her disposition. There's a difference in her attitude. She says the same words, but they have a completely different meaning. While, um, while Martha was the emotional one, Mary was the devotional one. She's had a call from God, and she's receiving the call of Jesus Christ. And when she gets there, noting his interest, noting and taking him up on his invitation, she fell down at his feet. There's the groaning of the Christian. May I say today that Jesus, he cares for you. He knows what you're going through. You may say, I'm going to tell him a few things. He doesn't know. You know, you may say, Preacher Darren, you don't know what's been going on. You're right, I don't. Thank God I don't. But I know somebody that does. You may say, Preacher Darren, why is this happening to you? I can't explain it. I don't know why and what's been happening to me. I cannot explain it. But one thing I do know, I know he cares. I know he loves me. And I know he has a plan. And I know he has a purpose. There, would you hear me? There is not one thing that you experience that he didn't purpose and plan and have a reason for in your life. Not one single thing. Oh, preacher Darren, I can't believe that the Lord would let me go through hardships. Well, this is difficult on him too. Preacher Darren, it's not, look, we've seen the groaning of the Christian Look at the groaning of the Christ. In verse number 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He was broken. The Bible says, verse 34, he said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And the first verse I ever remembered in the Bible, two little words, Jesus wept. Not just two little words, two of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. Not only has Jesus come and calling her, that's what he's doing for you today, but now Jesus is expressing that he cares. He has compassion for what they're going through. The Bible oftentimes declares the love of God. Preacher, dear, the love of God. For God so loved. The world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word of God declares the love of Jesus Christ. And there he stands in verse 35 and the tears are running down his face. He's not only declaring but he is demonstrating his care. Now I could go deep into this verse of Jesus wept and I can't go there 
other than just long enough to say this. I looked this verb up in the Greek New Testament and I pulled blue letter Bible on it. Did you know it only occurs one time? And all the word of God for weeping. This is the only one time it's used and it literally means that it is to burst out almost uncontrollably sobbing, broken, devastated. It is to feel what the others are actually feeling. Jesus has declared that he cares and Jesus has demonstrated that he cares. May I just stand where you're seating and and look back and see an old rugged cross that is depicted behind this pulpit and it is a demonstration of the love and the care of God Almighty for us sinners and that God sent his son to die in our place. He cares for you today. Don't you tell me he doesn't care. He has a plan. He has a purpose for what you experience, for what you're going through. Look at verse number 36. Look what they said. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. They started seeing the care of the Christ. Thirdly, and I'll be done, there is the glory that we seek. There's the glory of realization. The Bible says in verse 37, the people said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? The answer to that question is yes. He could have stopped it. He could have been right there and healed Lazarus on the spot. But that was not his plan. That was not his purpose. May I say this? When you sit at Jesus' feet, yea, when you fall at Jesus' feet, you'll learn some things. You're going to learn that with God, all things are possible. You're going to see God bigger than you've ever seen Him before. You are going to learn not only of His ability to do miracles and heal sicknesses, right? He delayed and He waited four days. He said, if I could have been there, I would have healed Lazarus of his sickness. But when He waits, He's going to do something even bigger. He's going to do something even better. He said, hey, disciples, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe this sickness is not a death, but for the glory of God. Because I'm not there, I'm going to raise him to life. I'm going to bring that which looks dead to life. You think it's dead. Oftentimes you've come into the service. You think it's dead, amen. You think the choir singing is dead. You think the preaching is dead. But honey, if you'd get at Jesus' feet, He'll make things come alive. There's never been a place, never, I feel preaching stirred, never been a happening where Jesus walked into that could stay dead. He's alive, amen. I was dead in trespassing sin, and when Jesus came to where I was, he saved me, and he brought me life, amen. I lived in Bethany. I lived in a house of misery, and he saved my soul, and he changed me, amen. Thank God for it. There's the glory of the realization. He said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see when he got there. The Bible says in verse 38, Jesus, therefore again, groaning in himself, he cometh to the grave. It was a cave, a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Listen, he had enough ability, enough power, that if he'd have pointed his finger or thought his mind, he could have rolled that stone away himself. But what he was saying to the people is, show your faith, take away the hindering cause. Some of us need to roll some stones away. 
There's some hindering causes in your life that's keeping God from hindering, holding up God from giving you your miracle. He wants to call some dead things to life in your life, but you've got hindering causes. You say, well, preacher Darren, no, it ain't me. It's somebody else. No, honey, it's you. And he wants you to roll away the stone. Take away the hindering cause. And that, look, what, look what happens here. Martha, she says, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. As a reminder, Lord, you've not been here four days. If you want to do this, you should have been here four days ago. While he's still alive, you could heal him from sickness. But now he stinks. He's been dead four days. He's a rottening corpse, Lord. She also is pointing out something else. Something that's not said necessarily right there, but it is in verse, I think, verse 2. Is there a parenthetical statement in verse number 2? You see a set of parentheses there in verse number 2? Y'all look at me. Am I right? A parenthetical statement from English class means it's some inside information. It's more information than is necessary needed, but, but you'll get it because it's, it, it'll bless you to get over the hump here. Hey, that parenthetical statement says that Mary, in the next chapter, is going to anoint Jesus' feet. That's the same Mary, her same brother. But right here, she didn't anoint him. When he died, she didn't anoint him. She had a year's worth of perfume saved to anoint that which was valuable, that, that which she was most precious to her. And when her brother died, she didn't anoint him. And it made Martha mad. Here's her confrontation. Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks by this time because my sister Mary did not anoint him with the perfume that she saved for all, all, money for for all these years. She said, I'm saving it for Jesus. I'm going to anoint him for his death. He, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's the one I worship. I don't worship my brother. I don't worship my family. I love my family, but I don't worship my family. I love my family, but they're not first in my life. God, Jesus Christ is first. Lord, by this time he's thinking, he's been dead four days. Jesus said, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. They took away the stone. Jesus, verse 41, lifted up his eyes, says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The scripture says, he that was dead came forth, bound, look, head, hand, and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Do you see? I believe the Lord cried out Lazarus' name because he personally knew him, and because if he had just said, Come forth, everybody would have come out. But he had to dwindle it down to Lazarus, amen. Come forth. And he that was dead came forth. There is the glory of realization. There's the glory of restoration. Preacher Darren, he was resurrected. Oh, no. No, no, no. He's going to have to die again physically. Well, Preacher Darren, I just don't believe that. Well, have you seen him walking around lately? CNN News would have certainly covered it, amen. Fox News would have been right there. ABC, NBC, CBS would have said, we have found Lazarus. He's going to talk to you. Honey, he had to die again. And the Lord had to call him back from paradise, wherever he was, had to call him back. And the Lord wept about that too, the hardness of that. And there's the glory of restoration. Hear me, there will be the glory of resurrection. The Bible says that there's coming a day when God says, Son, go get your bride. Bring home my children. 
and Jesus is going to step out. Arise, my love, and all those who are dead in Christ shall come out of their graves, amen, with a new body and be reunited with the Lord, amen. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. There is the glory of resurrection. Now, I'll just say a couple things here. You fall down, you hear me today? Will you fall down at Jesus' feet to learn that only he can take you from grief to glory? You can't do it yourself. You cannot get over the problems you have and have healing and restoration and fulfillment. You cannot go from grief to glory without Jesus, does it? You need to get at his feet and you need to learn that. Also, she learned, we mentioned it, God's a laser on his denials. It's not about my timing. It's, about, it's not about my time. It's about his timing. And, and with God, all things are possible. Those are things you learn at his feet. May I say today, that the Lord has a purpose for everything he brings into your life. He has a purpose. I was studying some time back. We, we had a, one of our Bible classes we had. We're studying missionaries. You know, missionaries that have lived and sacrificed their lives. There's a young lady out of, I believe she was from, from Wales. Her name was Amy Carmichael. She got saved. God called her to be a missionary to India. She spent her life, all of her life in India. Very dangerous, but she did a great work there. During some of her days, oh, hear what I'm telling you. Don't ever forget this. Very important. During her days in India, there came a time of persecution. Many were arrested, foreigners, missionaries especially. A lot were killed on the spot. And this little girl, uh, Amy Carmichael, when she was a little girl, she was born with brown eyes. And everybody else in Wales had Blue or green eyes? And she wanted blue eyes. And she said to her mama, she said, Mama, I'm praying that the Lord will give me blue eyes. And her mama said, What? I'm praying that the Lord will give me blue eyes. She said, Now, Amy, God has a purpose for everything in your life. And if he wanted you to have blue eyes, he'd give you blue eyes. You'd already have blue eyes. But God gave you uh, brown eyes. And there's a purpose for your brown eyes. Nevertheless, that little girl prayed every day of her life. And mama would often have to remind her that God didn't give you brown eyes, or he gave you brown eyes, because there's a purpose in you having brown eyes. And so now she's a missionary. And now there's persecution. Now people are being arrested. People are being attacked. People are being assaulted. People are being killed. She's up in uh, where she was a missionary at. And there was a window open and she heard soldiers outside talking about going to arrest some of the townspeople, arresting some of the Christ followers, going to arrest the missionaries. And they said, we've got to get that Carmichael lady. And one soldier said to him, said, and she heard it, how will I find her? He said, well, she's a stranger. She's a foreigner, so she'll have blue eyes. It was at that point that Amy said, I remember what my mama told me. There's a reason I have brown eyes. God purposed it for me to have brown eyes. And because she had brown eyes, they couldn't find her. And she got to spend the rest of her days in India leading young ladies to faith in Jesus Christ. Now you may say, I'm going through a dark persecution here, Preacher Darren. I'm being attacked. I, I can't understand God's purpose in this. I don't understand. Honey, God has a reason that he's caused and allowed this situation to develop in your life. And just like for Amy Carmichael, 
She didn't want brown eyes. She wanted blue eyes. You didn't want this situation to happen. You want it to be a whole lot different. But God said, this is my plan. You'll learn that when you get to Jesus' feet. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God has the power to fulfill it every step of the way. So I'm done preaching. I want to say this to you. If you have a problem, if you have a right now question, God, I don't understand. I have a prayer request. I have often prayed, God, I don't want brown eyes. Lord, I want blue eyes. That's what I think is best for me. And I know you didn't give them to me, but Lord, that's really what I want. And if I could get blue eyes, Lord, it would really make me happy. I want you to take the time to get to Jesus' feet without a piano playing. You're going to stand to your feet. And I wonder if there's somebody that come to the altar and say, God, I want to thank you for my brown eyes. I want to thank you for the problem you brought in my life because I'm coming to your feet to say, Lord, you know best. You know exactly what I need. And Lord, I'm at your feet to surrender my will for your will. And your will is better. Lord, I need you every hour. Every hour I need you. And you've not done me wrong, Lord. And I take the time to bow in your presence and say, Lord, thank you for my brown eyes. Thank you for the blessings that are in my life. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Folks are still coming. If you're watching online, just take the time to get at Jesus' feet. Mary fell at Jesus' feet. Lord, as we bow in your presence on this Sunday, God, we give you glory, thanks, and praise. And Lord, it's been a most difficult week. One of the most difficult and problematic that we have faced in many, many months and or years. And God, I'm asking today, God, that you would hear me when I say, thank you for it. <laughs> because Lord, it's in the dark times that I learn about your care and your love for me. It's in the dark times that I, I, I learn about your call and I know to receive it. It's in the dark times that I learn about your control in my life. Lord, in this dark time, I know you're in control. And I bow and I give you praise. And Lord, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do, how you're going to turn this on the devil and rebuke him. I can't wait to see how you're going to take this situation in my life, yea, in the life of these that are bowed beside me, how you're going to take them from the grief that they experience to the glory of excellence. Lord, I'm asking your help today, and I fall at your feet to learn of you. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.